Ouch! Ron buckled as something huge and orange came soaring from the top of the highest cage, landed on his head, and then propelled itself, spitting madly at Scabbers. No, Crookshanks, no! cried the witch, but Scabbers shot from between her hands like a bar of soap, landed, splay-legged on the floor, and then scarpered for the door. Scabbers! Ron shouted, herring out of the shop after him. Harry followed. It took them nearly ten minutes to find Scabbers, who had taken refuge under a waste paper bin outside Quality Quidditch Supplies. Ron stuffed the trembling rat back into his pocket and straightened up, massaging his head. What was that? It was either a very big cat or quite a small tiger, said Harry. Where's Hermione? Probably getting her owl. They made their way back up the crowded street to the magical menagerie. As they reached it, Hermione came out, but she wasn't carrying an owl. Her arms were clamped tightly around the enormous ginger cat. You bought that monster, said Ron, his mouth hanging open. He's gorgeous, isn't he, said Hermione, glowing. That was a matter of opinion, thought Harry. The cat's ginger fur was thick and fluffy, but it was definitely a bit bow-legged, and its face looked grumpy and oddly squashed, as though it had run headlong into a brick wall. Now that Scabbers was out of sight, however, the cat was purring contentedly in Hermione's arms. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the restricted section, in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss how the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we are talking about today. Chapter 4, The Leaky Cauldron. This chapter is literally just like a shopping montage of Harry being free of any real supervision for the first time in his life. He spends like three weeks at the Leaky Cauldron just like shopping around, eating way too much ice cream, doing his homework, and eventually he finds Ron and Hermione on the very last day of summer before the train takes them to Hogwarts the next day. And Scabbers isn't looking so good, and Hermione wants to buy a pet, so they go to the Magical Menagerie, and the lady there is basically like, your rat's just probably dying, dude. And then Hermione buys the cat that attacked Ron, as I just read. Um... Later that evening, they have a nice dinner to celebrate the end of summer, and afterwards, Harry overhears Mr. and Mrs. Weasley fighting about him about whether or not to tell him that Sirius Black is trying to murder him, of course. So they don't even need to figure out if they should tell him. He already knows. He always knows more than he should. Um, And then he goes to bed and he's like, I'm not going to get murdered. And his mirror is like, that's the spirit, dear. Welcome to the restricted section. Come into my ice cream parlor and I'll help you with your homework. And it's not creepy at all. I'm your host, Christina. This is the restricted section. Why do I always say it twice? I don't know. Andrew, how are you doing today? It's totally creepy, Christina. Don't help (laughs) random children with their homework in public places. That's just wrong. But I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Haley, how about yourself? Uh, I'm doing awesome. Um, I got Thai food today, and they gave me free cheesecake. Whoa! Yeah. But you don't eat cheese, so I'll eat your cheesecake. 
Um, you know what? I think I'll make a sacrifice just this once for this slice of free cheesecake since it was free and all. It tastes but thanks, better. To, thanks for stepping up, buddy. It gotcha. tastes better because it was free. Yeah. <laughs> you know how it works. <laughs> I'm super excited to tell everyone that our special guest this week is friend of the podcast, Taylor B. Hello. Howdy, Yay. friends. Yay. We're so glad you're here. I am happy to be here. I've just been trolling the Discord all the time, <laughs> waiting to talk to everybody. Yes, Taylor is a listener and a friend and an active community member, and we are eternally grateful to you for your super nerdy friendship. It's what people come here for. Yeah, and we are happy to provide. So will you tell us a little bit about your Harry Potter history? So I came from a super religious family, so naturally I did not get to read Harry Potter as a child. So sorry to my parents if somehow they managed to find this and uh, connect it back to me. Um, to the point where my stepdad once burned the first four Harry Potter books when my step-aunt bought them for my stepsister. So oh my when God. I'm saying like Harry Potter is no-go with my family, it is no-go. But then as soon as I got to college, uh, my roommate gave them to me and I started reading them the second day of college. So um, it went downhill after that. Uh, I joined uh, Three Broomsticks, which was the Penn State Harry Potter Club. Oh. As a freshman, I was sorted into Ravenclaw, even though that's not what I identify as. How dare they? And I am currently reading the illustrated versions through video and recording them for my nephews. To listen oh, to me read them with the that's pictures. so sweet. So they're getting their own copy of the books next week for Christmas oh that they can gosh. follow along. So that's that's where, what I'm doing in the Harry Potter world. It just was sort of a natural progression of my nerdiness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. I was able to sneak reading Percy Jackson and Fellowship of the Ring. Interesting. But Percy ha- Jackson, that's... Harry Potter was, it, it was a little too hard to, like, sneak. Yeah, they're big books. Yeah, <laughs> and they were, like, more well-known, like, Percy Jackson, like, the church group might not have been on to those just yet. Yes. It was weird because it was just my parents. Like, I went to a yeah. pretty progressive church when it came to that kind of stuff. Did you ever, were you ever exposed to the Hogwarts School of Prayer and Miracles? No, and when you mentioned that, I immediately did look it up, and I was like, I'm surprised I was never privy to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The church I grew up in is awful. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> they are terrible to gay people and all sorts of, like, very Trumpy, because it's an evangelical place. Oof. But they were did not say anything bad about harry potter that was all my parents <laughs> taylor i got i have to imagine that at some point a conversation took place between your parents where they brought up this percy jackson book that's about olympians or something and they said yeah i think that's fine i mean they're just star athletes why would why would that be bad that's something to look up to so it's weird my mom doesn't like the greek god stuff like she doesn't like the alternate gods but my stepdad is fine with it but he's the, like, crazy religious one. I need a flowchart. It sounds <laughs> unfounded, perhaps. I need a flowchart. When I find a flowchart, I'll give it to you. But Put it on the Discord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
wouldn't be the weirdest thing existed like, there. I guess it'd be a Venn diagram, right? Yeah, it's. And then you have my dad, my actual dad, who's just like, do whatever the fuck you want. I don't fucking care. <laughs> uh, while we're talking about it, hop on over to our Discord. DM us if you want the link to join. Starting with the new year, I'm going to put our Discord server behind a Patreon paywall. So if you want to get in before the wall goes up, that sounds so dramatic. <laughs> the orcs are coming! Walls up! <laughs> Um, you should do that. Now, Christina, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you say that anyone who is in the Discord before January 1st is going to be grandfathered in? Oh, absolutely. Taylor, what Hogwarts house are you? Um, so, most people would assume I am a Ravenclaw. Uh, growing up, I was definitely a Ravenclaw. There was no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. <laughs> but then I got to, like, senior year of high school, decided I was sick of shit, and then realized, oh shit, I'm a Slytherin. Like, I have Hufflepuff tendencies, and I have, like, my Ravenclaw tendencies, but I am not a Griff. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a full-blown Slytherin. I've had to be. Like, I feel like sometimes the nature versus nurture, in my sense, nature made me a Slytherin. Oh, we all get hardened as we grow older. <laughs> <laughs> Before we dive into the chapter, I just want to announce something super exciting. We are hosting a giveaway! Woo! We are hosting a giveaway of um, the prize for which is a restricted section logo t-shirt from our merchandise store, which is linked in the show notes. Uh, It says in all capitals, buy our merch. Thank you. Love you. You can't miss it. And those are available in sizes extra small to 4X. Can confirm they are super, super soft. Yeah, Taylor's wearing one right now. They fit really, really nice, so you want this t-shirt. So all you have to do is leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts and screenshot it on your device or whatever and DM it to us. Email it to restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com. Send it via OWL, um, however makes sense to you. And that giveaway is through the end of the day on January 5th, so that I can announce our winners on um, the episode I record the next day. So just to summarize, now through January 5th, you can enter a giveaway to win a restricted section t-shirt. Sorry, this is extra small through 4X. And to do so, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and send us a screenshot of yourself doing that action and you will be entered to win can co-hosts enter this contest no i'm so sorry damn it i'm so sorry i was asking for a friend asking for all of your friends i was the friend (laughs) (laughs) so if you have any questions about this hit me up i might have said it's stupid i welcome questions (laughs) oozing confidence today christina Yeah! (laughs) Alright, let's get started. Today we're covering Chapter 4, The Leaky Cauldron. Such a kind of, like, delightful chapter. And even there's, like, a fight at the end, and, like, even that is, like, kind of nice. It's like mom and dad. Yeah. It's homey. It's such a homey chapter. Yeah, because Harry feels more at home at the Leaky Cauldron than he ever does at the Dursleys. He feels more at home literally everywhere in the world than he does at the Dursleys. 
I kept going back to, like, the idea of a freshman in college. And, like, Harry is just a freshman in college. He's like, I can I can do whatever I want. Like, the first thing he's... The, the chapter starts with, it took Harry several days to get used to his strange new freedom. Mm-hmm. And I just wrote next to it, oh, it's fucking college. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... This chapter really is, like... It has such strong, like, out-on-your-own-for-the-first-time vibes. Like, uh, this reminded me really strongly of um, in, I guess, my junior year of high school, we used to do these internships. So I interned at this, like, children's literacy nonprofit uh, in Old Town Alexandria, which is, like, just outside of D.C. It's, like, a little main street, like... It's like an old, I mean, it's old town. So like a lot of cobbled roads and stuff. And that was kind of my first, like, I'm going to, I'm going to take the train here all by myself and like walk down. And there's a little place where I get coffee. And like, I started to get to know all the little shops around there. And like, this chapter gives me such strong vibes of like that feeling of freedom for the first time. Taylor, I've really, uh, I had the same feeling you did about, you know, just think about college and that analogy. And I realized that this has proved to me that Harry and I are very, very different people. Because if it had been me, that chapter would have read, and then Andrew went to uh, get ice cream five times in a row. He got sick. And then he went back for more ice cream. Just judging based on the choices that I made when I first started college, it would have been a very different... Harry does get ice cream every half hour. Yeah, from... he, eats, he eats ice cream every half hour. I mean, it, it it didn't make him sick. It wasn't to the extent... If I had an unlimited pile of money, like, it would have just been... I don't know. It would have been to excess in such a way that it would have just been epic proportions. I feel like there's like a sense of deliberacy there. Like Harry is getting the Sundays like for free from a nice old man who just like gives him like you saved the world Sundays. Andrew is saying he would have gone out and actively purchased yes. Sundays. Yeah, he wasn't doing his homework there. He was only eating. <laughs> right. Like, no, no, no. No progress would have been made on any front except for ice cream consumed. <laughs> like that's all it would have been. He would been. have set a record. Yeah, I would have had my picture on the wall, but not like in the good way. Like, look what he did. It would have been in the cautionary tale way of like, look what he did. Yeah. Do you think Fortescue <laughs> has ever had to like cut somebody off? I don't think he's the kind of person who would. That's fair. Do you remember um, in the SpongeBob movie where they get ice cream drunk? <laughs> At Goofy Goopers. <laughs> goofy Goopers. Uh, goofy oh Goober, yeah. Goober, yeah. Or Goofy Goober, yeah. And then there's the rock and roll version. I'm a Goofy Goober! You're a Goofy Goober! We're all Goofy Goobers! Goofy Goofy Goober Goober! Hey, the rock and roll Goofy Goober. I think that movie came out when I was five. We've been over how much younger I am. Yeah, I know. It just hits me every time. But, like, I just remember being in the theater and my dad would hate Spongebob. Like, he he would get so mad when I watched it. And I looked over and he was tapping his foot to the Goofy Goober (laughs) song and I was like, gotcha. My mom really hated Spongebob, too. My mom was always like, why is he yelling? And I was like, mom, he's like, he's screaming with happiness. Like, leave him alone. My dad was like such a purist about cartoons. Like he, he and I would watch like the Saturday morning car, like Looney Tunes reruns. And like, I had a great appreciation for those, but he hated modern cartoons, all modern cartoons, except for SpongeBob. It was his one exception. (laughs) Of all the things to make the exception for. 
I mean, it, it was just the style of humor. I remember when I would be watching like SpongeBob or like Fairly Odd Parents, Jimmy Neutron. Those were some of my favorites. I, I was a Nick kid. And like, I, I remember like when my dad would like stop and like laugh, I'd be like, oh yeah, like I, <laughs> this is hilarious. I'm cool. My dad thinks this show is funny. <laughs> my mom was just like, why is it so loud? Just go take a nap. My dad's favorite episode was the one where they get shanghaied onto the Flying Dutchman's crew. Yes! And like that one scene where Squidward goes, will we be getting business cards and then we on fire? <laughs> Is that the one where they have to escape through the perfume section? <laughs> Such a good episode! It is a very good episode. Basically any Flying Dutchman episode you knew was going to be good. They're all great. Like, the the one where he finds out he's not scary and has, like, a midlife crisis about it. Yeah. Like, Spongebob is just... Yeah, it's my babe. Um, well, on this week's episode of Harry Potter, um... That's the name of the podcast. Yeah. So, he's just fucking around in Diagon Alley. He's exploring, he's having a good time, he gets his school supplies, um, the Firebolt shows up in the window of Quality Quidditch Supplies, um, it's just a prototype. Everyone's, like, talking about it. It's, like, a really, it's a good broom, okay? Like, it's a fucking good broom. Yeah, it's definitely the most prominent of a series of, like, plot threads that are being dangled in this chapter like this chapter is nothing but like you get a plot thread and you get a plot thread and you get you're not gonna know it yet but foreshadow 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 like everywhere see i feel like i never had to read these as a child Mm -hmm. so i never had to like try and remember these plot threads as a child so like was it difficult for people to like oh we mentioned that earlier in the book I think on the first reading, you kind of miss a lot of this stuff. And it's like when you go back and reread like two or three times, that's when you start picking up on like, oh, my God, they just mentioned like the Irish team and their favorites for the World Cup with the Firebolt. Like that's set up for book four. Like, holy shit, I never caught that before. Um, But with the more immediate plot threads that come up like in this book, like uh, like Scabber's missing toe, like that's. Mm. You don't catch on to it at the time, but by the time it's been mentioned like tw- two or three times, like that's when you start like that that craft of writing uh, starts getting pinged, and you're like, oh, 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 yeah. I see. Or even like just the introduction of Crookshanks in this chapter, it's like, well, this is certainly not going to be a non-issue. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like that's definitely something where it's like, oh, well, this this cat's going to be an asshole. Cool. In our last episode, Mary Clay was talking about how she would, like, hate to go to Hogwarts because she's, like, deathly allergic to cats. And I'm just imagining Crookshanks, like, taking a liking to Mary Clay and, like, following her around. And he's just, like, so ugly and determined. And she's like, leave me alone. (laughs) I feel like there's got to be a spell. Like an an anti-allergy spell. Antihistaminus. (laughs) Benadrillium! I thought you were going to say an anti-cat spell. Like, cats be gone. (laughs) That's gotta be something they have, because there's no way they keep getting these kids and none of them are allergic to cats. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And getting back to your question, Taylor, one thing that I kind of just realized when you said that, when I was reading all of these books for the first time, especially from like three on, most of the times I was reading them starting the night that they came out. 
and mm. I was reading them to finish them. I wasn't reading them to like really Enjoy take them. Yeah, it was like totally. I, it was almost like an addiction. Like yeah. I got my stuff, and now I need to use it. And so I think that's one of the reasons that I'm. I know personally, I missed a ton of shit. That's like looking back on it seems very obvious, but the reason is because I wasn't trying to put it together. And that's one of the things that I've always loved about this series is that it still grips me in such a way that like, I just want to take the words in. I just want to like get as much of it in as possible. And so that's why even today I'll still find things that I missed. And it's because every time that I read them, I get into this pattern where it's not as much like, what can I find? It's, I want to go on the ride and I want to go on the ride as fast as possible. Well, that's why it's nice to read them again and again, because you know, like you do find new things mm-hmm. every time and the ride's a little bit different each time, depending on yep. where you are in life. Okay. Um, okay. The firebolt, uh, it's expensive. It says price <laughs> on request. It's expensive and it's good. It's really good and expensive. And Harry, who's been playing Quidditch all of two years is like, Oh, I really need and deserve this. Harry has got expensive fucking tastes. Like, even a little bit before that, he's just got, like, a bag of money and he's having to exercise a lot of self-control to not, like, oh, look, a solid gold gobstone set. Check it out. The universe in a jar. (laughs) But imagine, like, you're 13. You have, like, pretty much unlimited money in your pocket right now. Your parents just let you loose into a fucking mall back when malls were a thing. Not even my parents, the president. The president just let me loose too. (laughs) The president's like, here, here's this nice hotel. You stay here by yourself. Stay in this mall. Oh my god. But but think about it. Like, you would be like, hmm, what is the most expensive fucking thing I can buy right now? Yeah. That reminds me, I don't I don't remember where we were, but my family had a rich phase and we used to go on really nice vacations. And one time we stayed in a hotel that was like a mall also. It was like both in one. Isn't that fancy? That is very fancy. Um, you don't even have to go out and mingle with the peasants to yeah, go shopping. No, though. you just go straight <laughs> straight to Claire's. <laughs> Wait, to Claire's? Yeah, what? It wasn't a nice mall then. <laughs> you know, where the rich people shop. I was say, that was a tourist trap. That wasn't a nice hotel. That was a, we're going to make uh, people pay more to stay here, and then we're going to have the biggest gift shop in the world. A okay, bunch of I different stores. I worked at Claire's for a long time, and I love it a lot. Okay, it is fashion. You can love something and have it not be the, like, I don't it's know, fashion. have it be trashy. I'm a trashy person. I love the trashy The jewelry's things. all plastic, but it is overpriced, for sure. It was the one place I could find earrings when I was younger, because Aww. I needed the hypoallergenic earrings. Aww, yeah. And it, like, really didn't become a, like, cheaper thing until, like, now. Like, my sisters, they can find them wherever, but I could never find them except at Claire's. Dang, that's crazy. I, I owe... A lot to Claire's. I don't have pierced ears anymore. But, like, when I did, they were... Claire's really came (laughs) in clutch. I used to pierce ears at Claire's. That was one of my favorite jobs. I don't have any piercings anywhere and never have. My grandmother doesn't have any piercings. I use uh, probably the same (laughs) earrings. If your grandmother wears earrings, I probably use the same kinds with the screwbacks. Uh, hers are the the snapback ones. Oh, no, fuck those. Yeah, she's old. Those things hurt. I just don't even bother... I mean, I haven't bothered for like two years, but when I wear earrings, they're the fancy screwbacks because they're like vintage. Mm-hmm. Like you get like really nice antique ones and they yeah. don't hurt. I have three piercings in each ear. Well, four in one. And I have my nose pierced and I have my belly button pierced. No one likes a bragger, Christina. And I'm considering <laughs> a lip piercing. I have a fear of them getting caught in my hair. 
and like ripping my earlobes. Like that doesn't hurt. It won't. It'll rip your hair. It won't rip your earlobe. It. It doesn't matter. It's good. It. I can't do it. It's a phobia. I get it. Um. Anyway, guys, tell me if I should get my lip pierced. No. If it will make snake you bites. happy. Get snake bites. No, not snake bites. Right in the middle. Bottom lip. Right in the middle. My freshman year of college. My first. My first freshman year of college. <laughs> um. I went with a group of friends, and one of them was getting a tattoo, and someone dared me to get my nose pierced. This was at ODU. No, this was at Spartanburg Methodist College, my first year out of uh, high, high school. Oh, I was about to say, that's a very ODU experience, but yeah. I guess I'm wrong. But I went and I did not do it because I <laughs> did not want any fucking piercing. <laughs> I was terrified, not of the pain, but of like, if my dad saw any sort of piercing, like he's a very progressive person, but not with me. And so if he had seen, like, anything at all, I could just imagine. I wore a fake nose ring for, like, six months before I got my nose pierced. So my mom was just like, when are you going to stop wearing that stupid sticker? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know, still just thinking about it for, like, another six months. (laughs) Until she was like, that's real, isn't it? (laughs) My sister has the lip piercings, and, like, it gets caught and stuff when she eats and stuff. You do, you fam. I'm gonna support you either way, but that Thank is my uh, that is my contribution to your dilemma. One time, my best friend Alexis, friend of the pod, her Monroe piercing grew over on the inside, and I had to take her to the emergency room to get it surgically removed from her face. And then she was in so much pain, but she was too scared to smoke weed because it was her face that was fucked up. So I spent the whole night smoking a shit ton of weed and blowing it into her face so that she <laughs> so that she wouldn't hurt so much. So we were just like stoned as shit with like her lip all wrapped up, just like laughing our asses off, and it's a beautiful memory to me. And this is why nitrous oxide should be free and plentiful for the public. No, then you're going to die like the dentist in Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yeah. Oh, Steve yeah. Martin. Steve Martin. My honey. Christina's honey. I don't know. I've seen people take a lot of nitrous and they just get really giggly. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're shopping. We're on a shopping <laughs> spree. Harry goes and gets his, his like, school supplies and his textbooks, um, and he goes to get his books, and when he walks in, the bookseller is like, oh, are you going to Hogwarts? And Harry's like, yeah, and he's like, get the fuck out of my way, and starts, like, <laughs> suiting up for a war, because um, the Monster Book of Monsters is on their reading list this year. Um, we know that Hagrid did that, and this man's life is ruined because of it. Have y'all ever fucking worked in a bookstore? It is like this. Living books or not, it's like this. <laughs> Haley, did you have cages? Yes, actually we did. We had a cage in the basement. I just, okay, my brain just made a parallel. Has, has anyone here seen or read You? No. By Carolyn Kepneys? I know what you're talking about. I, but don't, like- I don't recommend it. It's a really creepy story that doesn't deserve room in your headspace, but I read it. Um, I'm pretty strong in it. Ineffable, is that the right word? Unflappable. Unflappable. I'm unflappable, so uh, I don't recommend it. But it's set in this bookshop, and, well, the the guy's like a stalker and like a murderer, yeah. the main character. Good. And he, in the basement of this bookshop, there's a cage, and he's like, it's to keep the books in. But then it's not. It's to keep, like, humans in when he kidnaps them. But he... <laughs> It's to keep the books in. Um, anyway, it's, I'm sure it was once used for the Monster Book of Monsters. Is that the only, like, bookshop there? Is every Hogwarts student having to come to Diagon Alley to buy their books? I think so. Flourish and Blots. It's kind of like a university bookstore. 
Yeah, that's what I was thinking, but, like, the fact that it's in London and nowhere near. I would imagine there'd probably be one in Hogsmeade. There'd probably be other, you know, the, the, it's a lack of knowing other wizard settlements, I think. Probably yeah. one in Grimwald. There's a bookstore in Hogsmeade. I don't remember what it's called. I think there's gotta be, like, like some shops that have, like, a muggle front yeah. and then, like, a wizard back room mm. around, like, the country slash the world. Wait, and we know there's a huge mail order industry, too. So I'm willing to bet there's also, like, you know, the Amazon of the wizard world. Yeah, because I was trying to figure out, like, if you can't get to London, if you can't get to Diagon Alley. Well, I think that everyone has to get to Diagon Alley. I think this is the only place that you can know for sure that you will be able to find everything you need for Hogwarts, including Hogwarts robes. I think that everyone does have to get here over the summer. Honestly, in the month of August, they have to get here, which... I guess they just plan for it, you know. Plus, transportation costs are nothing for wizards compared to what they are for. So but the Muggleborns. Like I said, we've we've gone over this theory. I really think there's like an an introduction team of sorts that go because I mean, like you can't just send a letter by an owl to a Muggle and expect anything good to come from it. But there's also every year the Muggleborns come back. Like Hermione's parents had to like take her to London and drop her there. But it's also worth remembering, and I think us Americans really have a hard time with this, but the the UK is very small. It's not hard to put your kid on a train to to the plate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We also have terrible, like... Public transit. Public transit. Yeah. yeah. No, I've, I've been... Yeah, I've been to England. Like, their public transit is fucking amazing. Honestly, spending a month... Sean and I spent a month just, like, backpacking across Europe, and it it kind of made me mad how easy it was to get from country to country. And then once you're there to get from city to city, and then once you're there to travel around the city. It takes eight hours to get across my state. Like, yeah. the, the <laughs> fact that people can do that Same-ish. in their own country is like, like for me to get to you, even though our states border each other, is like an easy like six to seven hours depending on traffic they don't border each other you're in pennsylvania aren't you yeah i'm in pittsburgh maryland's in the middle uh maryland's a thing i mean it is it though is maryland a thing maryland is like one mile thick right there (laughs) we do share a small border with virginia um, I'm looking this up right now, except I deleted my maps off my iPad. According to all of the history we were taught in childhood. I'm just looking. You share a border with West Virginia. We do share a border with West Virginia. And that used to be Virginia. Just to bring back my Europe trip one more time, there's a difference between, like, the culture of Virginia and West Virginia. Okay, there's a lot of differences. West Virginia was never a part of the Confederacy. There's a lot of... There's just a lot of differences, right? There's parts of Virginia that are really cosmopolitan. There's a lot of Tidewater stuff. Okay, there are different. There are cultural differences. Oh, no, they are very, very different states. I'm not a West Virginian person. But when Sean and I were in Europe, when we were in Amsterdam, we got invited to come watch this DJ perform because my husband Sean is a DJ. And he was doing a radio show. And it was very dope. I had a great time. And... He- <laughs> halfway through in his like British accent he was like I just want to let everyone know that we have some guests here all the way from West Virginia because he just like had he had no idea like what he was talking about and we were like oh how dare you how dare you um okay great I lost my notes because I was so determined to see if Pennsylvania touches us okay 
So <laughs> they touch us in so many ways. So they touch us. So we're they, we're, we're trying. <laughs> so he doesn't need a book, and the bookseller is very relieved because these books are monsters. They beat each other up and they tear each other's pages out. That's not a good business model. I don't know. It's a great business model. You have to constantly replace the book. Do you think they could sue Hogwarts? <laughs> um, they should. They should. I sue feel like Hogwarts. suing Hogwarts is like by design almost impossible. I know, but like that's that's. I'm just sitting here thinking like, oh, fucking Hogwarts, making them stock this fucking book. If they didn't get any kind of litigation over uh, the almost child murders last year, then, like, Flourish and Blotts does not have a case. But, th- but this is something against an adult. We don't care about children. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah, it's just, and it's, a, it's Hagrid. It's a, an adult no one really likes. It's an adult who, t- using their terminology, well, I won't use their, it, he is half human and half giant, too. Yeah, so I, I know exactly you, what you were about to say, because yeah. I was about to say it, too. Uh, yeah, he's not exactly in the right place. <laughs> I, I have a lot of questions about that poor shopkeeper. Yeah, me too. Are you okay? No. 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 The answer, I have, again, I have worked in this business. The answer is no. <laughs> I'm telling you now. So Harry goes to get his first ever divination book because he's starting div- divination this little year. Little does he know. Yeah, little does he know. Whilst he's in the divination section, he sees a book about death omens and he gets like hypnotized by the image on the cover. It depicts what we know as a grim. It's a big black dog with gleaming eyes and Harry, it feels familiar to him, um, even though he can't really put his finger on it. But we know it's because he saw one. Well, he saw, he saw a big black dog. Oh, big black dog, y'all. Yeah. He's a baby. Oh, a baby. Oh. Sirius Black is like, do not call me baby. What, part of the reason that Sirius Black is my favorite character is because I want to scratch him behind the ears <laughs> so bad. I want to make Sirius's leg twitch. It's like it's not even a sex thing. I just want to scratch it behind the ears. I wrote a character once who was an a, a sexy adult male who could turn into a giant like husky that you could ride into battle, and you I was guys, like, "This is you sexy." Wrote Sirius Black. No, it was better. It's like Sirius Black, but turns into Naga from Legend of Korra. Have you guys seen that comic series online where it's like a vampire girlfriend and her werewolf boyfriend and like their relationship? It's so fucking cute. Okay, we'll link that in the show notes because that does sound cute and I want to see it. Harry goes back to the Leaky Cauldron and he's, he's like talking to himself in the mirror and he's like, He's like, that thing was not a death omen. Like, don't even worry about it. I love this mirror. It's one of my favorite characters. And then he goes to, like, fix his crazy hair. And the mirror is like, you're fighting a losing battle. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, it's those tiny details where it's like, that's a split second you could have left in the films to add a lot of, like, richness to the character of this setting. And they just didn't. As someone with two cowlicks and relatively unruly hair, I can only imagine the pains that Harry has gone through. So <laughs> I, I know, especially as a teenager, I spent many hours trying to just get something to work, just something to happen, <laughs> and it, it never did. It never did. Me and Haley's goal for 2021 is to get you a haircut, like a really it's gonna happen, a really hip haircut. We wanted to give you a really hip haircut for your 30th birthday, which was in June. Fuck coronavirus. <laughs> 
It was gonna be a whole montage. Oh, it was gonna be a makeup for montage. I, I've, I've needed to say this for a while. I am so thankful for what you did with our socially distanced uh, cookout that the four of us attended. But <laughs> I, I've got to say, thank you for that. But that must have been like just on the surface the saddest birthday party. <laughs> just four people <laughs> sitting far apart, quietly eating burgers, <laughs> contemplating everything that's going on in this pandemic. We had fish playing. We had fish yeah, we playing did. for we did. you. You did that for me. <laughs> yeah, we did. But it was just like a bunch of people, just like all of us had talked so much already that we didn't really have anything to talk about. No one was really doing much work. So we're just sitting there eating hamburgers. Like <laughs> It was also while like all of the protests were going on. So yeah. we were like, yeah, we should probably get home early before there's a riot. No, there was a curfew. <laughs> mm-hmm. On enrichment. So Harry's been there for a couple weeks. He starts looking for Ron and Hermione. I just don't know why they couldn't have like communicated with each other. Like just send an owl and tell Harry when you're going to be there. Or like Harry send Hedwig and be like, when are you coming? That's been what there I was for, like, about three to say. Weeks. Like he has Hedwig. He can. Hedwig magically knows where they are, which I know it was like a source of contention. Like. How the fuck does Hedwig know where everybody is? But, like, <laughs> she obviously does, so... It's a world yeah. of magic, and that's the point that people get hung up on. It's like, <laughs> really? So this whole thing's going on, you're not aware of, but... Okay, but being... logistically, though, logistically, the owls! <laughs> but, yeah, it's like the fucking coconut from uh, Monty Python. <laughs> like, but how would the owl know where to go? I have a stick that can produce flame, and you're wondering about how an owl can find a person? What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen owl? Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> I do really like, um, we mentioned in last week's episode, the potential for owl assassins, because they can find anyone. They're like they're like Star Wars bounty hunters. They are, they like their search and destroy. Like, they'll Edwin come get you. Hedwig would do it. She'd be so badass. <gasps> Has anyone read The Guardians of Gahul? Tragically, no. Okay, it's a pretty dope book series if you're a huge nerd. The kind of nerd who's really ready to read, like, a 12-book series about owls. Is that the one I- they, like, <laughs> made a movie of? Like They made a movie. In, they like, mid-2000s. I don't I remember if I've seen the movie. I have definitely seen the movie. I'm pretty sure Ewan McGregor voiced the main character. I don't know Ooh, why I know that. Hot. That tracks. No, that the yeah. main character owl is pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, I recommend it. It's like a, it's like an epic family saga of like owl fantasy warfare. It's like Game of Thrones, but with owls and for 12 year olds. Isn't one of the owls like a legit warrior poet? Like he self identifies as a warrior poet? Yes. I'm pretty He's into that. <laughs> and he was like foretold in the prophecy. Okay, whatever. I, uh, maybe that's my plug for today. Um, <laughs> Harry sees his other friends in Dyke and Alley. See, we see Dean. We see Seamus. We're talking about the fireboat. We see Neville. We meet his grandma. She's scary. Don't talk to her. And then, oh yeah, she's set up for later on. Like yeah. now, Harry knows what she looks like. So when we get to the Bogart, it's like, oh yeah, that's Neville's grandma, all right? Oh yeah, true, true. Otherwise, he would have had to assume. Yeah, and he wouldn't have the memory of being intimidated by her in person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dangle me them plot threads. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Plotter. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> uh, 
Harry wakes up on the last day of summer, um, and he's like, what the fuck? I guess I'll just see them tomorrow on the train. I guess they don't need school supplies. Okay, I guess they just hate me. In their letter earlier on his birthday when they were coming. Mm-hmm. Was it accurate information? I kind of forgot to check I think that. they said like, oh, well, maybe we'll see you in uh, Diagon Alley near the end of the summer. Yeah, okay. Wow, Taylor's on the case. Yeah, just as the last week. Okay, the last week. Okay. All right, well, so they're late. They it's decided fine. to wait until the very last minute. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. So finally, he encounters Ron and Hermione. Um, they're at Florian Fortescue's. Where else? And, okay, I want to talk about this bit for a moment. The text describes it as follows. Ron is looking freckly, and Hermione's looking very brown. And a lot of people cite this as evidence that Hermione's a person of color. What do we think? Um, so... I've got kind of two thoughts on this. Uh, The first one is just that, like, the way that uh, British English describes, like, color as it relates to people is a little different from, like, American English. Okay. Because, like, it's based on, it's kind of based on the assumption of, like, a homogenous society. Like, it's outdated, but that's the way the language is used. Okay. So, like, when someone is referred to, especially in, like, older British literature as being dark, it's referring to their hair. When they saw say that someone is dark or fair or red, they're referring to hair color. Oh. Um, so like when they, so when they say that someone is looking brown, they just mean like French or like Spanish or Italian. She's been in France all summer. Right. But by the same token, when fucking what's it called, Cursed Child came out, huh. uh, and a black actress was cast as Hermione, yeah. a lot of there was like a lot of uproar about that. So people were like hitting up JK before she was canceled and were like, what, what do you think of all this? Did you intend for Hermione to be <gasps> black? Could you imagine? Well, <laughs> right. I never. And like, to her credit, like she has not done, she has bad opinions on a lot of things, but to her credit in this instance, she was like, you know what? That wasn't how I originally envisioned it, but if that's how you want to interpret the character, I have absolutely no problem with it. I actually really like the idea, so go for it. There's nothing in the text that says that she's not, so sure, fine. Like, I I completely support it. So I don't think it was the original intention, but... I also really like the idea of Black Hermione. I think that's a really cool concept. I love it. There's this one artist that I've plugged before on this show called Art by Floor who envisions Hermione as Black a lot of the time and Harry as like Middle Eastern. And I just really love that because it, I mean, like, what the fuck does it change? Absolutely nothing. It just makes it like prettier to look at. Yeah. I think bottom line is Emma Watson has never in her life been very brown in any way. (laughs) She's not a... She's not a girl who tans. See, I took it as in, like, she's tan. Yeah. Because, like, there's a good chance she was, like, on the coast along the Mediterranean. So I took it as tan. Yeah, we refer to tan as tan. Like, in in Britain, like, they very frequently refer to, like, a tan as being brown. Well, and I think that it... The way that it's in the same sentence as Ron being freckly. And that is what happens to gingers when they're in the sun. And Mm -hmm. me. And so it's like the context is like they've j- it, they are like summer children. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you did you guys used to get s- 
stupid tan when you were kids? I have never gotten tan. I burn almost immediately. Um, but like when I went to England, like I was staying with my friend's family. My friend's mom's family is English. And like they were all giving me shit for not being brown enough. Like my friend is mixed. So like she gets a free pass no matter what. But like I am just pale as fuck no matter what I do. So they were all like, you're American. You should be brown. It's the middle of summer. Why aren't you brown? I'm like, I'm not fucking Californian. <laughs> I was yeah. always like this, like so fucking tan as a kid, like all summer long. I just get more freckles. <laughs> I do get, I get little face freckles. My No, like my entire arms, like everything gets freckly. Like they've faded because I didn't go out all, outside all summer because why would I? Um, but like, I just freckles. That's all that's there. Fry. It's people, people from uh, the South in the United States will understand what I'm about to say, but it, it to other people, it's going to sound so crazy, but my family, Tina, you've seen me. I, I get pretty tan. If I stay out consistently, I can mm-hmm. get pretty tan. Back when you used to be a camp counselor. Yeah. Yeah. My family is one of the many in the South that has this thing. And it's the weirdest fucking thing where Everyone claims that we're like one sixty fourth Native American. That's not a weird thing. It's a. It, it's a. Ra- it's people do it to absolve their racial guilt. Yeah. Well, and I, white it, people. I, I. It. It's one of those things that has been like a family legend for a long time. My and dad it was like, d- does the same yeah, shit. When when I was like fourteen, I think fourteen or fifteen, I remember I talked to my mom and I was like, "Well, who's the person who?" was you know native american she was like oh it was my great grandmother i was like okay so that means it's grandma's grandmother right yeah did she know her yeah was she native american and like this look came over my mom's face she was like no <laughs> and it was kind of like well who does grandma say and she was like well grandma says it was her her great grand and it's like okay so it's always just one generation far enough back that like of course, no one, no one has clear memories of yeah. this person. Yeah. And I right. guarantee you, it just like constantly does that. Because I mean, yes, I get tan, but you can take one look at me and see that I'm about as white as fucking flour bread. Like there's, <laughs> there, there, it doesn't get much more. Like it, it's a mixture of whites, but it's still just white. <laughs> You're like that Pat Oswald bit about being from all the pasty countries. Yeah, I'm from I'm Irish and Norwegian. Like come I call on. it white it's, bean soup. My dad recently yeah. did 23 and Me and texted me the lineup, and I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a white bean soup. And he mm-hmm. kept kept talking about it, and I was like, I'm not really interested. <laughs> <laughs> I found a way to put a 13th bean in the 12 bean soup. I'm breaking all sorts of borders. I'm crazy. <laughs> so Ron and Hermione know about Aunt Marge from Arthur Weasley, who as a reminder works at the Ministry of Magic. Um, and he for sure would have heard about this. Ron thinks that Harry got off with just a warning because he's the famous Harry Potter. And even that <laughs> is kind of like a hint at some of their troubles to come because Ron, even like when he's wrong, is like, oh, you get the special treatment because you're Harry Potter. Like, you, like people will let you do anything. Even put your name in the Goblet of Fire without telling me your best friend, Ron Weasley. Well, and I think, Asshole. I think you're hitting on something pretty big there, uh, Tina, that I thought about this time. And that's that this is still when Ron is in that phase where he does still look at Harry as kind of like a celebrity, even in his mind. Like, Harry's yeah. his best friend, but he still thinks of him as like famous harry potter 
and he still acts kind of like, you know, yeah, you're my friend, but you're also like this special person. Yeah. Then in the fourth book is when he gets so, fourth and fifth books is when he starts to get so <laughs> pissed at Harry that he stops kind of like having that view of him and just looks at him as Harry, at least in my opinion. But like, I, I felt that was really interesting because like reading it that way, I do think Ron, I don't think he's being sarcastic. I think he like truly thinks he's like, well, you're the famous Harry Potter. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So they're just, like, chit-chatting. The Weasleys and Hermione are staying at the inn overnight. Um, I guess the Weasleys have some leftover lottery money if they can afford that. Well, yeah. I think, like, when uh, when Ron says, like, oh, we heard from Dad, I feel like what, like, the way that Arthur found out was someone was like, hey, you kind of adopted Harry Potter, right? We can't exactly talk to his legal guardians about this, but he did blow his aunt up. Anyway, can you, like, like we'll front the bill for this, but could you take him to the train station because of the murderer and all? Yeah, can you go? He needs an extraction. Like, like take care of your son, basically. Like, <laughs> we'll deal with this you. kid. I, I would imagine it's probably some sort of conversation between Fudge and Dumbledore, where D- Fudge is like, "What am I going to do?" And Dumbledore was like, "Okay, here's the plan. <laughs> like, you have him stay at the Leaky Cauldron. Tom, kind of a weird guy, but we can trust him." We said that in the last episode too. That the only reason Fudge even comes to the Leaky Cauldron is because Dumbledore's like, "You fucked up. You need to go get him. Like, what the yeah. fuck? He's wandering the streets." You you yeah, no, but well, yeah. also Fudge knows what'll happen to his fucking approval ratings if anything happens mm-hmm. to Harry Potter. Like yeah. he's already in hot water, so yeah, he probably was like, no, 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 I have to go out and deal with this myself. So is Harry paying for his room? Yeah, he probably is. Fudge says at the end of the last chapter that he is going, he should get himself a room there, implying that Harry has to buy it. But then something he says later makes it sound like they're footing the bill. So who the fuck is footing the bill? Also, Hermione's parents just leave her there. <laughs> it would be, yeah, they must they must have had dinner with the Weasleys or something to, like, get really comfy. Yeah, there's gotta be, like, a relationship there. But, like, it does seem really weird to approach a 13-year-old and be like, you got this, right? That's some, like, Mary-Kate and Ashley movie shit. You know what I mean? Like, you guys got this. I feel like the Ministry of Magic, like, in whatever taxation system they have, probably has, like, hero money somewhere. Hero money! Oh, we use this to build a statue of you, Harry. Well, maybe we can make this fun. Maybe we can imagine that somewhere along these streets, a uh, a very a much younger uh, Nymphadora Tonks, a newly made R, is walking around on her first assignment, which is to watch Harry and uh, monitor uh, uh, Diagon Alley while he's there. Harry has no way of recognizing her, knowing who she is, but she's there. Because her face changes every mm-hmm. day. Oh, oh my god. god, I love that idea. It'd be the perfect assignment for her. Besides her being horribly clumsy. Well, and there's a lot of other witches and wizards nearby if she needs backup. Yep. And as we all remember, Tonks and Lupin grow up and live a very happy life, and it continues that way for about (laughs) 70 years after this book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they die of natural causes. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like how you said grow up like he wasn't 40 in this book. Okay, also, Ron got a new wand, 14 inches, willow, one unicorn tail. I like the sound of that. That might be a wand that I would have also. It sounds nice and elegant. It's long. I feel like willow matches you. Yeah, yeah, just like like flexible, fun. I cry, a leaping (laughs) willow. You're definitely a unicorn hair person. He's a Hufflepuff of a group. The group, it, it, it attracts. It's true. Tina, I still think we need to do a uh, 
maybe a Patreon episode where a few of us sit down and using a new email address, create a new Pottermore account just yeah. to see if we still get the same uh, sorting and also to see what our wands are. I don't love it, but we should do it. <laughs> I don't, I'm the kind of person I'm, I'm lawful as I might've said once or twice before. And so like, I'm the kind of person where if Pottermore told me that I was something other than a Hufflepuff, I would have like an identity crisis. <laughs> it also, means I'm not the same person. <laughs> I know. I like, yeah, okay, whatever. We don't need to get into it right now. Uh, Hermione has a lot of books in her book bag because she's taking a lot more classes than them. Weird. Dangle. Dangle thread. Dangle. Yeah, dangle. Dangling. Man, I hate dangling. What's that from? I hate dangling. Something about dangling at the bottom of the food chain. And then the person's like, I hate dangling. Lion? It's a lion gang! It's Ramona Pumba! Yes! Wow. Uh, cool. Thank you, Haley. Um, Haley always knows. Okay, Hermione's also taking muggle studies, which is probably her only class I can't support. That's just not How? worth your time. It is your easy A class in college. That's not her, but like to me, it's just like, oh yeah, it's your your throwaway class for the. Yeah, I feel like most people like if they're taking Muggle studies as like one of their two electives, like yeah, that's their mentality. Like, but like she's taking it on top of all this other yeah. shit. It took she me years to even figure to. out what arithmancy might be. Yeah, true. It reminds me of um my ex boyfriend from high school, Rory. Shout out to Rory. He definitely doesn't listen to this. He's living his best life. He was bilingual growing up, and he speaks Spanish fluently, and he took Spanish in high school. Just to make sure he was, like, good at it, you know? So people will do that because they might be able to speak it, but they don't necessarily know how to write it. It's true, but it was still an easy A. (laughs) See, I put a lot of credence into what she said. I I think it might be my Ravenclaw showing, but I think it would be fascinating as someone who grew up a muggle to try and, like, study it from their perspective – but the other part is you always risk having happened to you what happened to Fry in Futurama, where he took uh, 20th century Earth history, and then he realized that they were asking questions like, you know, who, uh, who, who invented the television and things like that. Like, what would actually be the history questions? And a lot of that shit, I, I wouldn't know. Yeah. Fair enough. So they're taking my class. I am teaching Muggle Studies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your students are low-key wizards. I'm, I'm telling my kids tomorrow that we, the class is now renamed Muggle Studies. For, <laughs> for the listeners out there, I am a teacher. I am not just talking to random children. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going out in the world? I'm not Fortescue and out doing homework with random children. <laughs> uh, I am a history teacher. That's an important fact about me. <laughs> oh my god. I think Hermione would probably really struggle to not be correcting the teacher constantly in muggle studies. Mm -hmm. Have you guys ever corrected a teacher? I've done it one time and it was very cool. Oh, I've done it so much. It's a problem. Well, you are a teacher. So you get to correct just like your friends and their teachers too. But like as a high schooler. You did? Yeah. in, In college, it would drive me crazy. Like going to classes not taught by ed professors. Because these are people who are teaching because they have to in order Uh, to get their grant money. uh, And, like, my mind is always, like, why is this lesson not working? And the one teacher asked for feedback at the end of the class just for everybody. And I I was like, I can't shut up now. You asked. (laughs) (laughs) 
That was probably, like, my worst, like, moment of it, but I have corrected a teacher. My story is that in college, I had just started studying linguistics, which is the scientific study of language. And the most interesting class I've ever taken in my entire life was the history of English. Just an incredibly dope story. Very illuminating. And I had just learned about, like, the family tree of languages, whatever. And then my European history teacher accused English of being a Latin in language. That's not even close to being right. It is close to being right. It's... A Latin language? Yeah. There's only five Romance languages, though. Yeah, but it's, it's close to being right in terms of vocabulary. Yeah, we use a lot of the same vocabulary, just not the same grammar. For the record, English is a Germanic language. Yeah. And I, one of my favorite parts of English is that, especially when you're writing and you're looking at synonyms and stuff, you can see the Germanic part and the Latin part. It's so dope. And sometimes the French part, and you're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> That's what I say to my French ancestry. (laughs) What are you doing here? (laughs) So Hermione has birthday money. All these children with all this money. I would, Harry, can I have a loan? (laughs) It's dentist money too. (laughs) Dentist money. Yeah. I wonder if they're paying like full price for Hermione to go to Hogwarts in muggle money. You know what I mean? Like 20 grand a year. Hmm. I don't know what the exchange rate is. Yeah. Do they have to pay for them to go to Hogwarts? Yeah, uh, that's implied because in the Sorcerer's Stone, Harry's like, I don't have any money to pay for this school. And Hagrid's response is, your parents left you money. His response is not, don't worry, this doesn't cost any money. I, I was thinking that was implying like the supplies and everything that he has to buy. Hmm, interesting. I never took it as like he has to pay to go to school. Maybe that's another thing that a British person could help us understand better about British schools. Well, like, because it is a boarding school. Yeah. Let me text in the uh, WBNE Discord. Shout out to, like, <laughs> Mary Clay and them, but I'll ask a couple British people. Because I know schools are different there. Haley, what were you going to say? I, I mean, it is a boarding school, so you'd think that, like, there would be a fee for room and board. Yeah. But it's not like Harry ever gets a bill. It, it's it's more of a boarding school, though, by necessity, just because there are so diverse, spread, like, disparate populations of wizards and witches that it's more of a necessity that they have one central place. I, th- I think, at least. Do you think Vernon Dursley would have been willing to no. pay? No. To- he no. literally no. said, no. I'm not going- I didn't finish my question. What the fuck? <laughs> the answer is still no. He wouldn't have paid for Willing anything. to do anything for Harry. No. <laughs> or anyone. Finish your question, Christina, so that I can immediately start yelling. Do you think Vernon Dursley would have been willing to pay a tuition or a room and board for Harry to go to St. Brutus's School for the Criminally Incurable or whatever? No. I feel like even in that case, no, there probably would be like at such an institution some kind of like I don't know. I don't know what the financial term would be, but you know how collect calls work slash worked (laughs) where it's like the person receiving the service is the one who ends up like paying, even though they did not ask to receive the service. I don't get how that metaphor goes to boarding school though. Explain. (laughs) Well, well, I guess like debt that people have when they come out of prison, like there are private prisons that'll be like, well, we, you, we gave you room and board for the last five years yeah. while you were incarcerated, so you owe us money now. Also, uh. if you ever look up the way that phone plans work in prisons, it is ghastly. Um, uh. You end up having to pay, at, like, literally, it would, it would almost be cheaper to call a sex line most of the time. 
Wow. Yeah, it, it, it's bad. But no, also, I don't think they would let him go because the only thing they hate more than Harry living with them is the idea of Harry going anywhere that anyone else could figure out that he's magical. So the yeah, idea true. of sending him somewhere like there where they're going to be horrible to him. So, you know, he's going to get mad and they know what happens when he gets mad. I, I don't think they would risk it. I don't That's think they would let secret. him That's my secret. I'm always it's angry. Mad. I use that joke for everything. Always. Like, I'm always using the joke. That's your Sorry. secret. You're always using Sorry. that joke. <laughs> That's my secret. I'm always pooping. <laughs> I was going to say, sorry, I'm a little drunk at this recording. That's my secret. I'm always a little drunk at this recording. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So Hermione has fucking birthday money. Hermione has birthday money. And she's like, I want to get an owl. Practical, intelligent, very pragmatic, a real Hermione answer. Like, that's the answer. You can send letters to, to, to anyone, to your parents. We talked before about what a dope duo Hermione and Hedwig would be. They'd be unstoppable together. Bad bitch squad. Yeah. Ron is like, Scabbers isn't doing that well. And Harry's like, there's a magical creature shop right here. I've been living here for a month. I know where everything is. It's called the Magical Menagerie. (laughs) I want to go there. It sounds so nice. Anywhere with tap dancing rats, I will go and see (laughs) that shit immediately. That's like fucking um, the Robinsons. Meet the Robinsons. Oh, the frogs. The whole orchestra of frogs. Like, ever since I I saw that movie, movie. I'm like, that is the coolest goddamn thing I could ever imagine. Yeah, that was a very creative movie. It really surprised me. That movie is beautiful. It makes me cry every time. There's a really beautiful illustration, a two-page spread with no text in the Bloomsbury Illustrated Edition of the Magical Menagerie. It's really a dope illustration. I'll post it today on Instagram. There's a lot of animals. They're all screaming. You can imagine the sounds. I love the tortoise. Yeah. With the jewel-encrusted <laughs> shell. I kind of like the rats, too. They remind me of, like, cheerleaders. They're just, like, really... They're like, bye, us, come on, we're so fun. Yeah, so then Ron asks about us about sick sickle scabbers. Um, he's been a bit off color ever since Ron brought him back from Egypt, which, as we know... Is because all oh, spoilers all the time because he knows Sirius Black is gonna come get him. <laughs> the only thing that makes this whole thing better is knowing that Peter Pettigrew was scared shitless all year long. He, he was like, "I'm gonna die today" for like a full year, and it's like good. <laughs> Suffer. Did you say Peter Parker? Did I say Peter Parker? I think you said Peter Parker. <laughs> Peter Pettigrew was scared shitless. Peter Pettigrew was scared shitless. Peter Pettigrew was scared shitless. Same same thing. Spider-Man be trembling. <laughs> <laughs> I would never Peter Parker, especially the new uh, the Tom Holland Peter Parker is my favorite. Toby Maguire is best. What? What? Oh no. Okay, okay no, we're not gonna <laughs> Sam Rainey's Spider-Man is the superior Spider-Man, and I will die on that. Okay. You can have you can say your piece. You're the guest. Alright, make yourself at home. <laughs> um the witch who works at the magical menagerie is like, oh, let me see your rat. Bang him on the counter. I feel like that. I feel like that's another British turn of phrase that means doesn't sound so silly. <laughs> no, I think no. I, I think it's meant to be have like kind of a violent connotation. Bang like him. this woman does not give a fuck. <laughs> you can tell by her attitude later on. She's overworking at this place. Oh. Like it is no longer magical to yeah. her. It is a hell. <laughs> Yeah. No, this is a retail employee, if ever I saw one. Yeah. Well, working at a pet store will just kind of, like, ruin your life. Just imagine the smell constantly. Has, like, <laughs> these senses in her nose, like, 
just died Aww. now from living. It's like tinnitus of the nose. <gasps> yeah. Like, she just constantly has a, a slightly foul odor, but like the stronger odors don't smell as strong to her. So it's kind of like a trade off. There's a spell for that. Muff- <laughs> it's like muffliato, but for the nose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I accidentally went all the way back to the beginning of my notes. Um, where are we? Do, 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 magical menagerie. Do, 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 do. Okay. Um, okay. Bang them on the counter. Um, oh, yeah. I said, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, there's hot rats on the counter showing off. And Scabbers <laughs> is just like laying there. <laughs> and these rats are like dancing and like shimmying and showing off. It's very dramatic. I'm just picturing like myself surrounded by like hot drag queen strippers, just like just be <laughs> lying on the pavement and just like a bunch of hot bitches and like, like a lot of fishnet being like, honey, are you okay? <laughs> Haley, that's a memory. That's a memory. <laughs> that was last Thursday. You told us not to tell people. Why are we talking about it? I thought that was a dream. <laughs> Um, this lady's basically like, your rat's really old, and he's probably, like, he's probably just dying. Sorry. <laughs> With all the sensitivity of someone who's worked in retail for decades, she was just like, that rat's dying, yo. Well, because I think the hot rats are magical rats, but Scabbers, we don't have any evidence that there's any magic to him. Yeah, like, her, one of her main questions is, what is its magical power? And, like, what he do... Which also, that implies that there are, like, a different sets of magical powers that rats can have. That's fun. And that's kind of terrifying. Gotta catch them all. Like, I don't need, I don't need like, the living embodiment of Speedy Gonzalez running around my house. That's not, that's not cool. Like, I don't need one that can apparate. I don't need a rat that I can be, like, chilling with and all of a sudden it's just on my shoulder like, what the wait, fuck? Wait, wait, wait. It would be an upper rat. Apparat, yeah, you're right. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. You had to just squeak that joke in there. I see how it is. <laughs> She's like, here's this rat tonic, which I feel like is the equivalent of being like, here's this lemon ginger tea. Like, it'll, it'll make you like, it, it makes everyone feel just like slightly better, but if, it's not going to save you from dying. This is a plot device for you to go downstairs later on and then it'll never be mentioned again. Yeah, exactly. It's like a turn your rat off and back on again fix. Like, <laughs> like smelling salts, right? Yeah, I don't have any medicine. I do have a friend that sells Herbalife, though, and they told me that this tonic will really help your rat. It's, it's Dolterra. It's just <laughs> essential oils. <laughs> okay, so so then a cat jumps on Ron's head, which relatable. It's Crookshanks. Um, and then the cat attacks Scabbers. Okay, so we know this is Crookshanks, and like later. In the book, Crookshanks is attack- attacking Scabbers because he's in cahoots with Sirius Black. And he's like, I need you to murder this rat. A dog says to a cat, I need you to murder this rat. But why is Crookshanks attacking him right now? Right now, if you will. Have you guys heard the theory about Crookshanks? Tell me everything. There was a fan theory um, that, you know, in the seventh book, when Harry finds the letter from his mom to Sirius and she mentions the cat... And he has like a tripping oh. moment about it. Like, we had a cat. Oh my God, we had a cat. Whatever happened to the cat? There's a theory that um, Crookshanks was their cat because Crookshanks is known to be part Kniesel, which is like a magic cat. Um, so they're 
especially intelligent and very long lived. So the intelligence factor, I think, is how he's like, that is not a fucking rat. Like, my ass is that a rat. I'm going to fucking kill that thing. Or he's met that rat. Right. Or he's fucking met that rat. Yeah. I will identify that rat. Plus, like, it's mentioned that, like, he's been there for, quote, ages and nobody wanted him because he was adopted after the Potters were killed. (laughs) I would adopt that cat. (sighs) Wow. Okay. That's a lot to process. Crookshanks, what a... What a cat. Crookshanks, we hardly knew you. A gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> I'm excited for more Crookshanks action, because I feel like in the movies, he's kind of just a nuisance. But Yeah, in the books, in the he's, books he's like, you know what I mean? he is a plot point unto himself. Yeah, he really steals the show. <laughs> I support it. Uh, maybe I'll also post a picture of my ginger cat today in honor. <laughs> so, Scabbers runs away in fear, just really terrified, and hides under a trash can outside the Quidditch shop. And it's really just, like, so creepy to be like, this is an adult human. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) Like, not one second of Scabbers is okay to me now. Although, I I do like this moment because, like, it's... This is a a rare example of Harry being as ride or die for Ron as Ron is for him. And that's not to say that, like, Harry has not always been this ride or die. It's just, like, usually when we're reading the books, it's about, like, Harry nonsense that Ron is getting dragged into. Mm. But, like, stuff Mm -hmm. like this shows that Harry is perfectly willing to get dragged into Ron nonsense. And it happens a lot in this book. Aw, yeah, that's true. The whole reason they get involved... I, like, the whole climax of the book starts with Scabbers running away and Ron just, yep. like, chasing him. Well, and let's not forget, too, one of the things that I think is awesome about this scene is what's really going on, if you think about it, is Peter is stuck in the rat form because he killed all those people and escaped and pulled off, like, a fake death. Now he is stuck in a situation where an average, well, not average, but, like, a cat could kill him and he literally cannot transform to defend himself at all. Even runs out in public, but that's even worse. He couldn't do it out there either. He he has created a situation for himself that could end in his doom while he's already trying to flee someone else because of a situation that he created. It's really, like, great karma. Just yeah. awesome comeuppance. Yeah, really, you're just fucked. <laughs> and you love to see it. Mm-hmm. So they finally find Scabbers, and they're like, oh, where's Hermione? She didn't help us. That's fine, I guess. Um, she stayed behind to pick out her pet. <laughs> Joke's on you. It's the cat that just attacked your face. <laughs> so I have a really big problem with her buying Crookshank. I understand his importance as the story goes on, but at this point, we don't know that. She just bought a pet that literally just tried to attack one of her best friend's pet. To 13-year-old Ron, I would be like, that's a fucking dick move, man. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Like, from Ron's perspective, like, I would be, if I was in Ron's position, I would be livid. But I can also yeah. completely see the scene of Hermione buying the cat. Like, the witch grabs Crookshanks out of midair and is, like, calming him down and trying to, like, hold him and telling Hermione, like, he's been here forever. Nobody wants him. And Hermione, like, just that empathy factor in young girls just gets cranked to 11 and she's like, I must have him. She's unsupervised. Yeah, like, I I get why she gets him. I have a Harry Potter advent calendar that I'm doing right now that's Funko Pops. And I did get Crookshanks. And I was like, wow, you useful motherfucker. But also, like, Man, the way you came about was sort of a dick move. (laughs) Yeah, no, Ron is completely right to be pissed for, like, most of the year, quite frankly. 
Yeah, it's really like once or twice in each Harry Potter book, Hermione just kind of like loses her head and does something really silly. And I think this is one of those things. And it's like, good, good for you. Figure it out. Now you have this fucking angry cat. Even Harry says that he's ugly, the cat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Harry doesn't usually notice stuff like that. He's like, it's bow-legged and it has a squished face, quote, as though it had run headlong into a brick wall. (laughs) I love him. He does, to his credit, keep that shit to himself, though. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. We all know someone with an ugly cat or a rude cat. I know my cats are rude as hell, even though they're cute. Road. They go to Lakey Cauldron. Mr. Weasley's reading the Daily Prophet. It must be nice that your wife just offered to take your five unruly children shopping and you're just sitting here reading the newspaper. What is going on? She only has three of the unruly ones and then Percy to help supervise. In all fairness. She has. Oh, yeah. Okay. The twins, Ginny. Yeah. Ron's out on his own. Ron and Hermione were permitted to go off on their own. They're 13. They're teenagers now. She's like, Hermione, please take him. But then, like, at the same time, like, Voldemort keeps describing how awful Arthur works. (laughs) So I could see Mrs. Weasley just being like, no, stay here. Don't go out. Because if he would have gone out, he would have just been constantly looking. Mm, Interesting. And I feel like Arthur doesn't bring as much discipline as even Percy does. I feel like when you bring Arthur, you risk having that like Homer Simpson effect where unintentional consequences gradually increase. Because let's not forget the last time that we know of that he went shopping in Diagon Alley, he got into a fist fight. Yeah. So, I was no, just like, like, you, guys know, you guys know the McDonald's alignment of like the McDonald's character alignment. It's like a triangle. There's um, like it, it's a. Uh, if the kids ask, like, can we go to the McDonald go to McDonald's? Like, one point is we have food at home. One point is goes through the drive-thru and gets black coffee for themselves. And then uh, the other one is the parent starts chanting McDonald's with the kids. And like, <laughs> Molly is alternately we have food at home and black coffee, depending how pissed she is that day and whether or not the twins are there. And Arthur is always going to be chanting McDonald's. <laughs> One black coffee, same motherfucker. That's cute. <laughs> um, I just think that he should go with her and help her. Anyway. Let's not judge other people's relationships. No one seems to be getting hurt or offended. I just think Mrs. Weasley's not the kind of person to ask for help. She's the kind of person to be like, you sit down, honey, even when she needs him to come with her. Anyway, um, that's my rant. Um, uh, okay, Mr. Weasley's reading the newspaper, right? Okay, the whole ministry is searching for Sirius Black. They start chit-chatting. And we are learning this. Um, so, like, yeah, Arthur's like, yeah, the whole ministry is doing this, me included. Which, like, doesn't sound quite right to me to take every government employee and make them part of, like, a big manhunt. Well, like, Arthur, I at least get. Because he's he is the misuse of Muggle Artifacts yeah. office. So, like, he's kind of the Muggle liaison in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. he's probably running that uh, Muggle phone line that they have. Oh. No, he doesn't know how to use a felly tone. He he taught himself specifically for this. Oh, <laughs> but I could also see it be like they are un- they're operating under Sirius being uh, Voldemort's right hand man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if they're operating under that mindset, it's like oh shit, that's the next closest step to Voldemort coming back. So. I can see, like, both sides of it. 
And like you said, United Kingdom, very tiny. How many people yes. are actually like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, there's also the chance that their definition of like all ministry employees are searching for him could be that they distributed a picture to all ministry officials and set up like a more True. direct chain of command of like if you see him contact us this way mm-hmm. and whereas priority like the, number one exactly exactly because like i you're right i i don't see a world where like the liaison for goblin affairs is going out and looking for serious black maybe going right. to gringotts and being like have you seen serious black <laughs> which also how did Sirius get the money for the fire whatever he does later eventually take money out of his account somehow i think he gets crookshanks to help crookshanks what you doing bud you can use an atm <laughs> crookshanks just likes doing crime <laughs> <laughs> heist you say son of a bitch i'm in <laughs> Okay, so Mrs. Weasley and the twins and Percy and Ginny, they, like, all come to the Leaky Cauldron. And Ginny's extra embarrassed about Harry because last time they saw each other, he was saving her life from the basilisk and was getting murdered right before her eyes. You know how embarrassing it is when your life is in mortal peril and then someone saves you? <laughs> so embarrassing. Especially your crush. My crush. Yeah. Not the meat cute she really wanted. She's still <laughs> waiting for the right meat cute. They've met, like, a bunch of times. But one of these days, they'll get the right meat cute. Percy comes in very somberly and shakes Harry's hand. And he's like, <laughs> oh, good evening, Mr. Potter. And Harry tries not to laugh at him. He's doing, he's taking himself very seriously because he's head boy. You may, you may or may not have heard that he's Ron's not very happy boy. about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then this is like my favorite kind of shit in the books, dude. Fred and George come up and they start trolling him and they're like shaking Harry's hand too. They're so funny. <laughs> this scene kills me every time, especially when Fred turns around like, Mom, I'm yes. really corking to see yeah, you. Miss Weasley is like, that's enough. And yeah, how corking to see you. What the cork. And this kind of reminds me of the toilet seat bit from Sorcerer's Stone, too. It's just like the twins. They're not just like, <laughs> uh, they're so much better in the books. Well, it's such a British joke, too, to yes. like, to like, just be like, oh, indub- hello, you know, like, indubitably, yes, how good to see you, old chap. Like, just, oh. Uh. See, I like the fact that I only have book connotation for these characters. I do not have, I've never seen the movies. So I don't have this like book movie, like dichotomy going on in my head. They're, they just are Fred and George to me. Wow. They're they're one of the few sets of characters that really transitions pretty accurately to the movie in my opinion, in my opinion, at least. It's just like their more extended gags don't really make it into the movie. Yeah. It's just like, I, I think the depth of character isn't there. You know when Paul Hollywood is like, this tastes fine, but this is depth of flavor, or like whatever fucking accent he has. No. <laughs> All the characters in Harry Potter are like, this is fine. The, the movies, it's like, this is fine, but like, I know what this could taste like. <laughs> Don't rip my head off when I say this, but who's Paul Hollywood? Um, from The Great British Bake Off. Okay, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad I also didn't know that uh, I didn't want to say anything. Ah! Uh, I don't watch TV, y'all. Wow, The Great British Bake Off is the most Hufflepuff shit of my life. It's so good. This is my plug. (laughs) It's like... Is it time already? (laughs) It's such a good show. Okay, okay, okay. Mrs. Weasley starts admonishing the twins because they're not prefects. And they're like, oh, we didn't want to be prefects. That sucks. 
And then they have dinner at the Leaky Cauldron. It's the last day of summer. Everyone's having fun. Mr. Weasley tells us that the ministry is sending some cars to take the whole family to the train station because... He's like, because my car, I can't anymore. And it's just kind of like like, like passive voice. Since we no longer possess a car for reasons (laughs) that will not be mentioned here. (laughs) Pointing Uh no fingers, laying no blame. Ron's been dealing with that kind of shade all summer. (laughs) Harry's finally in on it. But okay, so... And this is a cute detail. He's like, oh, yeah, like, they're doing this just because we don't have a car. But Harry notices that Mr. Weasley's ears go red, like Ron's, when Ron is under pressure. So he's, he's kind of like, it seems like he's not being honest. And I know that because my best friend blushes when he lies. <laughs> it's just, like, the cutest shit. Harry doesn't notice. He's starting to notice stuff. He's becoming a little bit of an adult. Maybe in three more years, he'll start to realize that Ron and Hermione <laughs> kind of have a crush on each other. Wait, you're humans too with like emotions <laughs> and thoughts? What? Okay, so then after dinner, Percy and Ron, their room is right next to Harry's, um, right? Yeah. And they get into a screaming fight because Percy's head boy badge is missing. Oh no. I get it. I'd be really mad too because I don't want to show up to school without it. Obviously, I want to look responsible. I like how he assumes it was Ron who took it. Yeah. When like <laughs> it's obviously it's Fred obviously George. Fred and George like there there is it is not Ron. Yeah, it's either Fred and George or Fred and George got Ginny to do it. Like, oh, Ginny! Are- I love like the Ginny Fred and George relationship, and that's something that is way more present in the books too. Well, and I I think you would love it too because to me like when I think of Ginny when she's with Fred and George, I think of like Louise. I think of like <laughs> from Bob's Burgers, oh. just down for whatever. Like the most like I got this because I'm with y'all type it's person. It's cute because Louise has her twins too, Andy and Ollie. Back to you, Andy. Back to you, Ollie. Back to you, Andy. Back to you, Ollie. Oh my god. <laughs> and then Ron's like, "I'm getting out of here. My rat tonic is downstairs." And Percy's like, "Stop! You can't leave until we find my head boy badge." <laughs> Which isn't productive. You're not going to find it if it's not in that room if neither of you yeah, leave like, the room. how much can you search a hotel room? Okay, so Harry steps in and he's like, well, I certainly need to get out of here, so I'll go get that rat tonic. Um, and he goes to get it. And he... <laughs> um, my iPad autocorrects when I'm typing my notes and <laughs> it says, Harry over here is Mr. and Mrs. Weasley fighting in the parkour. <laughs> <laughs> Parkour, parkour. It's <laughs> They're just like swinging, jumping around the bar, like doing flips and shit while having like a civil discussion. Like, well, I don't think we should tell him. Well, I think that we should tell, like, oh my gosh, it's an amazing visual. This is their foreplay. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew was doing like pretend gymnastics through that bit. It didn't translate well. <laughs> um, okay. Um, they're fighting in the parlor. And Harry's like, oof, don't want to listen to this either. Good boy, because I would listen. But then he hears his own name and he's like, well, now I'm going to listen. Which, yeah, I would. I mean, I would for sure listen. Because Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are fighting. We've never really seen that before. Molly Wobbles isn't happy. <laughs> oh, Molly Wobbles. And I think it's funny because, like, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are, like, snipping at each other all the time. It's, like, kind of cute. You know, it's just, like, we have a lot of kids. That's just how we live. Especially, you know, Molly's a little snippy. But, um... 
I like that when they have an actual argument, it's incredibly, like, chill and respectful. And they, like, at the end, they're like, well, I guess we just don't agree. And then they're like, let's go to bed. I love you. They they are a perfect picture of what, like, a healthy relationship looks like. Yeah, they're really good. Voldemort was able to actually write a couple that represents what the healthy adult marriage is supposed to look like. Where, like, you can have those, like, little nags at each other and those tiny fights, but when it comes down to it, like, the real things, they can talk about it, but it's not going to be a screaming match because they get their frustrations out in, like, their tiny little spats throughout the day. Yeah, they have they have banter. And they go to bed knowing that they love each other. <laughs> well, and so let's beautiful. be honest, too. On some level, I think both of them realize that for the first time in multiple decades, they're about to have the house to themselves. Ooh! No, that was last year. Oh, shit. You're right, you're right. Well, then they know what's about to happen. They know they're going into the good <laughs> they're times. They're like, get out of here. We need to yeah. fuck. Whatever, this argument won't matter in 12 hours when we're banging our ba- uh, eyes out. Banging our eyes out? Is that what you said? Hey, I have my way, you have your way, you know, whatever. <laughs> Daddy likes a little ocular action in the bedroom. Ew. <laughs> no. I actually read it. I read a short story about that once. No, Haley. Of course you did, Haley. Tell us about it. <laughs> Steve Allman short story and it's like this is why I hate short form fiction because it's just two dudes talking about a girl that one of them fucked like that's 90% of short form (laughs) fiction the girl that he fucked has a prosthetic eye and she like took it out during the act and wanted him to like put the tip in her hole I want to know who stole the video camera that me and that lovely woman made several years ago. No, Steve Almond. No, it's not a good joke. (laughs) No. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I feel pain. If certain kinks, it's okay, but you're ocular sexual, and all of a sudden everyone has a fucking issue. I mean, it was completely consensual in the story. Speaking of ocular, Harry Potter wears glasses. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are fighting, and Harry hears his name, so he decides to stay, and... I was thinking about how Fred and George developed their extendable ears um, in book five for eavesdropping. I was thinking about it in this moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of dialogue. Okay. Mr. Weasley's like, it makes no sense not to tell him. We don't really know what's going on. Harry's trying to make sense of it. Slowly but surely. And Mrs. Weasley's like, the truth would terrify him. And then <laughs> Arthur is like, Harry and Ron are really careless. Like, I just want the truth to make them less careless. Yeah, there's actually, like, a line that I kind of never picked out before when uh, they first come up to talk to Mr. Weasley in the Leaky Cauldron. And Ron is like, man, it would be great if, like, one of us could catch him and get some more reward money. And uh, Mr. Weasley is, like, like, trying to hide how strained he is when he says, like, do not be ridiculous, Ron. And, like, I think it's because of this. He's like, no, no, my stupid fucking idiot youngest son absolutely <laughs> would go off with his stupid fucking idiot best friend and try to catch detail. a murderer. That's Ron a is very detail. lucky that he met Harry because in many in any other version of his life, he's the type of kid who gets out and, like, immediately joins whatever the wizard version of the military is 
because he hears like, you can make a lot of money. And Ron's like, I'm there. <laughs> you know, he, he's that kid who like would get sucked into something like that just because of like, where can I make money quickly? You know, well, I mean, doesn't he become an Auror? Don't he and Harry both become Aurors? That's true. At least briefly. I know he ends up working in the joke shop for a while. I'm just Googling what Ron Weasley does for a living. <laughs> Occupation. Best friend of Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he could. Known by family and friends as Ron. Known by Fred and George as Ickle Ronnie Kins. <laughs> Known by Dobby as Wheezy. Known by Lavender Brown as Wan Wan. <laughs> I'm just picturing Ron getting arrested someday for like drunken public or something, and like that. What all of those are his aliases? Like, are you Ronald Billius Wan Wan Weasley? Are you Ron Tater Salad White? Are you Ronald Waslib? Um, what did I come here for? Um, he's an horror. After the war, Ron became an Auror and helped reform and revolutionize the Ministry of Magic. After two years as an Auror, he went to work at Weasley's Wizard Wheezes with his brother George. (laughs) It's sad to see George's name by itself. I know. So with my Funko Pop advent calendar, I've only gotten Fred. I didn't get George, which I find real strange. Well, maybe that's like a high, uh, maybe that's a good one. But I have now have two Dumbledores, two Harrys, and two Hermione. Hmm. So I don't know, but... Keep us posted. Instead of labeling it Fred or George, they just label it Weasley Twin. <laughs> <laughs> they have their Christmas sweaters on. That is the only thing reason I know. Aw. Where are we? Parkour. <laughs> um... Okay, 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 Arthur Weasley's still talking. He's like, if the night bus hadn't picked up Harry, he'd be dead. He's like, the Ministry of Magic isn't doing anything. We don't know anything. This guy's on the loose. He's on the fucking loose, Molly. And our kids are so stupid. Our kids are really Gryffindor, okay? (laughs) This isn't a good situation. (laughs) All of them. (laughs) We got a pack of lions. What the fuck do you think's going to (laughs) happen? My notes definitely say, okay, Gryffindor, like, a couple times. <laughs> Andrew, it's called a pride. Yeah, you're right. I realized, so, real quick, I literally was thinking that I'm like, I'm surprised no one corrected me that I said pack and it's actually a pride. And then mm. as soon as that thought ended, by the way. <laughs> actually. We have two policies on this podcast, all spoilers, all the time, and always correct everyone. Yeah. <laughs> for everything. It's in our nature. It's an army. That's why we're nerds. <laughs> um, okay. So Molly's like, no one even knows for sure that he's after Harry. And Mr. Weasley's like, I literally already said this. I'm repeating it again for plot purposes. We do know that he's after Harry because in prison, he would talk in his sleep and say, he's at Hogwarts. So scary. I do have questions and always Mm -hmm. have had questions about how people get information from the Dementors. Yeah, or like Dumbledore goes to talk to them a couple times. Yeah, and they talk back, allegedly. Maybe there's like a leader who has speech. Guys, how amazing would it be if like there's a cut scene from all the books and movies where Dumbledore goes to Azkaban, meets with the head Dementor, and they have to like sit down and write out messages to each other? Like, sit down and pick up a pen and be like, how are the prisoners? And sets it down and the lead Dementor picks it up and goes, 
good. <laughs> One's talking in his sleep. I, I feel like Mary Clay would do a good Dementor voice. She <laughs> would. All right. Mary Clay! Yeah, hit us up. Hit us up. This is a test. Text me. <laughs> Five months later. Just to follow up, Haley texted me about last week's episode. So yes, she I did. Wins. I texted you one of the two times that you told me to text you. <laughs> Look at you. Okay. Okay. So here's what I imagine the Dementors and Dumbledore. It's like they have an iPhone between them with Google Translate up and they're passing it back and forth. Sean and I did that once with this guy in Italy. He turned out to be a racist. It was awkward. It's like, okay, well, good night. Enjoy your pasta. (laughs) So Mrs. Weasley invokes the name of Albus Dumbledore. Nothing can hurt Harry while Dumbledore is near. Is that true? Does that hold true for the series? Because they say it enough. Harry sure hurts himself a lot when Dumbledore's there. I think that he doesn't really get hurt. Like, I'm thinking about the cave in book six and like i don't think harry gets hurt he does come out i mean he comes out of that with no physical scars emotional scars he has many yeah well you think even in the first book harry has issues when he's facing quarrel gets called away until Dumbledore comes well, he back, was also and that's when it ends. To a graveyard, though, directly yes. under Dumbledore's supervision. So no, but that's <laughs> the thing. They had to take him away from Dumbledore in order to get the rest of that shit done. True. That's a very elaborate plot. I think that went to show that Dumbledore was not like infallible, but I think that the rule still stands that Harry is safe with Dumbledore. We'll be getting to that in the winter of twenty twenty one, probably. It's <laughs> <laughs> about right. So Mr. Weasley is like, okay, yeah, Dumbledore, Dumbledore, Dumbledore permitted Dumbledore, Dumbledore permitted Dementors to come to state be stationed on the school. We still, they, I don't think they've still said the word Dementors yet. Yeah, so I wrote that down. Like I was like, they still haven't. They just they keep just keep saying guards these, like, and like guards. It strikes me as strange because I feel like as soon as we meet a Dementor, it's like these are Dementors. In people's dialogue, they you know what I mean? They start, like, talking about it differently. Yeah. She who must not be named is trying to build suspense, yeah. Yeah, it's all just set up for the train so that when all of a sudden they show up, we're like, oh my god, those are the gods! Well, ah! you're like, wow, this is kind of as bad as I could have imagined. This is a nightmare <laughs> I was creature. picturing a dude. That's, that's not a dude. <laughs> I was picturing a dude. a dude, and I got a very malevolent sheet that literally yeah, I, I got happiness. A fucking, like, I got a fucking ring wraith. Yeah. Ring Wraith, yes, exactly. Oh my god, I finally beat my Lord of the Rings video game, Shadow of War, and I had to fight a lot of Ring Wraiths, and I had to fight Sauron, and this isn't a spoiler, but in the climax cutscene, he hugs you. Like a, but it's like a, but it's like an attack move. Like an evil hug. <laughs> an evil hug. Yeah. And I kept thinking of Voldemort hugging Draco, and I was like, no, you don't get to hug. You're fucking Sauron. You don't get to hug because you'll never know friendship. (laughs) Or love. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Okay, so Molly and Arthur go on to amicably end this fight. They're just like, it's time to blow the candle out. Like, we're not mad anymore. Like, good night. They just seem tired, but they're not angry. God, I fucking love them. But I... I probably, just as a practical human, would have been like, I feel like we need to get an answer to this tonight, though, because they're leaving tomorrow. Can we just, like, finish this conversation? But I guess, I guess Arthur, over this conversation, kind of backed down to Molly, as he's wont to do. 
I kind of get the impression too that they probably assume it's not for them to say it's for Dumbledore to say. So I think there might be some idea too that, I mean, there I'm willing to bet they still talked about it when they went back upstairs. And I'm thinking that from the way, well, the way that things happen next chapter that they might've like come to the conclusion, like, okay, we'll let Dumbledore decide what to tell him. And then Arthur was like, no, my kids are too dumb. I need to, (laughs) I need to get this message across. Arthur just lying awake, staring at the ceiling. Like they're idiots. They're idiots. (laughs) I can't let them go into this blind. (laughs) They're fucking idiots. Will my son be an idiot? Well, he, He's like, I have six sons. One of them's bound to be a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> you would think they, it was the twins, but they're actually really smart. It's got to be wrong. Okay. Uh, what happens? Okay. Ro- like Harry like ducks the Weasleys as they go to bed and then he gets the rat tonic and he takes it upstairs. Fred and George are eavesdropping on Percy, who is tearing his room apart. While Ron, I think, is just, like, watching. They're just, like, looking desperately for the head boy badge. But obviously the twins have it. And they've been fucking with it. And it says, big head boy. Big head boy. What a great little joke. It's a cute joke, but it's, like... The thing is, if he was just cool about it, they'd give it back to him, like, fix the next morning. But it means a lot to him. And he loses his cool. (laughs) I, I think I relate to Percy more on this read around than I ever have before. I'm like, I get it. He's worked really hard. No, I still hate Percy. I, <laughs> yeah, Percy's still an asshole. I hate him too. Just because you're a type A personality doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want. Well, and he goes with the fascists. When when you look at my notes, anytime Percy is mentioned, it just says fucking twit and things like that after everything. Like, Yeah, he's a dick for <laughs> sure. Um, Harry's like, lol. Um, night. So he goes back to his room, and he's, like, thinking. He's just having himself a little thing. He's like, this is why I keep getting away with things, because they're just glad I'm not dead. But I'm, really, I'm not scared. And this is one of the instances where I'm like, okay, Griff. He's just (laughs) like, I'm not even scared of murder. Like, his main concern is just like, man, now I'm definitely not going to be able to go to Hogsmeade. It's such a teenager mentality. Just like... (laughs) Really thought I had a fucking chance. Yeah, like, this is cramping my style. (laughs) Yeah, just after learning that there is a what he believes to be a mass murderer searching for him, his first thought is, God, I guess this means I won't get to go to this thing I'd never gotten to do before anyways. Guess I'll have to stay in my magical castle. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, you think about it, like, with quarantine. Like... True. We all said beforehand that we just wanted more time to be at home to do things. And then as soon as we, like, had all that time, everybody's like, wow, I want permission to go out in the world and do things. <laughs> I miss the Earth. <laughs> it's out there somewhere. Maybe the analogy would be he's like the celebrities that did the Imagine video at the beginning of the pandemic, <laughs> where it's like, homie, you're... You're in the hills. Like, the view that I saw on your clip is better than anything that I have 360 days out of the year. Like, I have a one-bedroom apartment that was built in, like, the 1930s. Like, our lives are not the same. There's a building. Imagine there's no heaven. Yeah, it's hard for you, right? Because you live in heaven. Fuck off. (laughs) Harry goes on to be like, Wow, can't I look after myself? I've escaped for Voldemort three times. I'm not completely useless. God, I'm 13. I'm practically a grown-up now. 
It's very annoying and stupid. And it's just fueled. It's like, Harry, I get it. I get it. I was 13 too. I really just wanted to have a good time with my friends. I wanted to prove I was cool and I could do cool kid stuff. And I didn't want anyone to tell me what to do. I didn't want to need permission. You know what I mean? When it's interesting, too, how, like, at 13, he's like, but I can do all this. I'm fine. And then just two years later, when it's like, but Harry, you got out of all these situations. He's like, <laughs> no, I had a lot of hell. This is when he starts getting cocky because he's two for two against Lord Voldemort in the last two years. And I think a really important part of Harry's journey is that he fails at the end of this year. And at the end of next year, he takes mm-hmm. t- Well, I guess he just keeps failing. But (laughs) this is when it's like, oh, okay, this is hard. There's adults doing things. Like, I'm in over my head. He really starts questioning the wisdom in having a child go out to kill Voldemort. Yeah, that's not advised. There's adults. So, yeah, I wrote, okay, Gryffindor again. Um, And then he's, like, thinking about the Grimm that he saw on Magnolia Crescent. They're still not using the language Grimm, but... That's what he's thinking about. And Harry says, I'm not gonna be murdered. And the mirror says, that's the spirit, dear. Best character. (laughs) In a sleepy voice. (laughs) I wish I had a mirror that would tell me, confirm for me that I'm not going to get murdered. (laughs) And call me dear. I don't want my mirror to tell me anything about what I'm wearing or what I look like. Because that's... I mean, if it can confirm for me that I'm not going to get murdered today. Yeah, that would be good. That's... Yeah. So does anyone else have anything about this chapter that we didn't talk about or any thoughts about the future? Just all these dangling threads, yo. Dangling threads, dangling threads. We're going to weave a proper... Tapestry of story. Story arc. Yeah, tapestry of stories. Way a better. potter you tapestry. Wait, wait, say that again. A potter you pet tapestry instead of buy you tapestry. I'm teaching my kids about that in two days. What? Wait, are you saying you aren't familiar with the Bayou Tapestry? Are you saying Bayou? Like bayou. The, the Bayou? Like yeah, the French location, one. The, yeah. the French the bio, one. Okay. The Bayou Tapestry. Yeah. I don't know what we're talking about. There's an X at the end of the word. Okay, see, no, I was saying the Bayou. Oh, yeah, no. We're saying Bayou in French. I thought Bayou... Okay. Um, wait, why were we talking about this? Because I made a really lame pun <laughs> off Potteryu Tapestry that I figured uh, enough people would know what the Bayou Tapestry was to give me the awkward laugh that they hate themselves for that I so crave. <laughs> but unfortunately, that, is your that didn't bread and happen. Butter. Oh God! Yes. That, oh God! I don't like the fact I'm laughing at this. Listeners, let me know if I've been able to successfully make you hate yourself at laughing at material that I have said, because that is just the highest form of praise I could ever that's, ask for. That's his niche. I did, that's uh, what we bring you around here for. I did, side note, see um, a face mask that was the Bayou Tapestry earlier. It was oh, pretty wow. great. I'll share it in the Discord. When I was teaching my eighth graders last year about the Bayou Tapestry, I just put it up on the board and just had them interpret to me. What they thought was going on. Have you guys seen um, the memes that people do with the the Bayou Tapestry? Where they Mm -hmm. just, like, they take characters and then put, like, uh, like medievalized song lyrics or, like, quotes from movies over them? This one says, cash me outside, how about that? I like the one um, that has the opening of CSI Miami, where it's uh, someone... The peasant was murdered in yonder chicken coop. It seems to be murder <laughs> most foul. Oh, yes. <laughs> Verily. Haley, 
because we're going to use your Zoom recording that clipped, so I need you to deliver the word verily again, but at, like, a slightly lower volume. Verily! <laughs> Thank That's you. better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to figure out your audacity. Sean and I are going to come over after Christmas and figure it out for okay. you. Okay. Um, are we ready to move on to some plugs? Yeah. Cool. Andrew, will you start? So I'm going to uh, be a little abstract with my plug today because why not? I can break the rules. I'm going to plug the idea and the, the, the practice of trying to expand your musical tastes. Um, and the reason I say this is several months ago, my, my loving father, who is just today, actually, as of today for recording, turned 64, 64-year-old white man, two months ago, finally introduced me to one of his k-pop bands that i actually deeply enjoy my deeply God. enjoy i hated the genre for years because my dad has loved this genre for like three to four years at this point and he finally has something that he like music wise that he can really communicate with me about and i know it brings him a lot of pleasure i just got him he doesn't listen so for christmas i just got him uh rosetta stone so he can learn Korean because he loves oh Korean and Thai and Japanese. And basically where I'm going with this is that like now there's like this live concert that they're doing. And my dad and I, we're not going to be able to watch it together, but we are going to be able to like both watch it and then report back. Dear listeners, it is with great sadness that I must inform you that the concert Andrew is talking about here has been canceled. Because of this, Andrew's going through a really hard time right now, so your thoughts and prayers are much appreciated. This was one of his glimmering points of hope in a long, shitty year, and that too has been taken from him. So we appreciate your thoughts and prayers as he struggles to overcome yet another trial of 2020. Thank you for your sympathies. I'm just saying, be more open, try more music and see what, see what you like. You might, you might get a good, a good result from it. That's a very sweet plug. That's so wholesome. (laughs) Haley, will you please do your plugs? I will. I am going to plug The Queen's Gambit. It's on Netflix. I watched it over Thanksgiving with my mom. I fully did not expect to enjoy it at all. It's about chess and the way that it's kind of billed in the trailer, it's like, it seems like it's going to be a girl power thing where it's like, she, she's a woman in the man's world of chess in the 1960s. And she has to prove herself to all these guys. And like, that's an element in the story, but it's not a big element. Like it's mostly about overcoming trauma and it's, Aww. it's beautiful. All of her outfits are incredible. The main character is really interesting and like, like the way that the whole gender issue thing is kind of played up is like, since she's like this chess prodigy, there's a lot of press around her. And the press is all about like, she's a girl in the men's world of chess. But all of these dudes, like, they're her friends. Like, she has these really wholesome friendships and relationships with all of these guys that she plays chess against. And they all like fully acknowledge her skill. And it's just really sweet and beautiful. And the end scene made me cry. So Queen's Gambit, Netflix. Also, I'm on Twitter at the Rit to Wit. I guess. 
Haley, the, the Queen's Gambit is the one that has that uh, newer actress. The one that has I, I don't I'm going to say this and it's going to sound like a bad thing. It's not. I really think it's cool. But like the shape and distance of her eyes is very unique. They are insane. Her eyes are ridiculous. Yeah, it's not a negative thing. It's very, very like she's both, got like, like big anime eyes. They yeah, are it's, huge. It's awesome. And no, and it's perfect for that role because she's so intense. Oh, I bet. <laughs> That's cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Taylor, what do you have to plug? I have two plugs because I'm the worst and can't narrow things down. You fuck. <laughs> I was I was texting Christina the other day. I was like, I have so many things running through my head. <laughs> the first is like along like the lines of Corona and everything. It's a podcast called This Podcast Will Kill You. Is that a promise or a warning? <laughs> <laughs> it's two epidemiologist friends who... Uh, take a deep dive into a bunch of different diseases and parasites and vaccines and things. And they like look at the biology, then look at the history and then look at what's going on well in the world or not so well. But uh, they did a really good COVID series back in April and May when everything was first starting. And they're just starting another group of them. Uh, the first one came out last week. So if you're looking for something that's not necessarily mainstream media getting like constantly shoved down your throat, having it be somebody else talking about it. People who are actually epidemiologists do this mm -hmm. sort of thing in real life. They bring in doctors, they bring in like scientists, they talk to teachers about how it was affecting education back in May. So like, I want to plug that just because I feel, yeah, we're really hopeful with the vaccine, but also everybody's still so fatigued. And it's nice to be able to just like, here it is for you. Now you yeah. can step back. Nice. Yeah, I really get the scientific perspective. The other thing I want to plug is a Black Women's History of the United States by Dana Ramey Berry and Kaylee Nicole Gross. It's part of the Revisioning American History series. And it goes throughout history. This specific book takes one specific Black woman in all these different eras to sort of use as the framing narrative to really show the how history is affecting black women at the time rather than just they take what we are taught and then expands it to look specifically at black women because yes people of color are disproportionately hurt with throughout our history but black women of color are especially have problems so um it's a really good read i read it in a night uh, it's like 250 pages but it's super powerful, and I think it does a good job of taking note of where our education system is shitty. And I say that as a teacher who teaches history and tries to sort of fill in those holes. I feel like good history teachers are the ones who know that the way we teach history in this country is shitty. It, yeah, it's rough because my students are predominantly kids of color. Uh, they are predominantly kids from low socioeconomic status uh, families. And it's like, you can't just teach the same way. The kids want to see themselves. So that's why I like books like that. I think it's a good read for just about anybody, even if you aren't working with 14 and 15 year olds every day. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram at Taylor from Cabin 6. That's the number six, not the word. If you're one of my students and you're listening to this and you find me, stop listening because why the fuck are you listening? And don't <laughs> follow me on Instagram. <laughs> This never happened. <laughs> you don't know who I am. 
The clues aren't enough. You can't put the puzzle together. I feel like my plugs are going to seem really frivolous after yours, but I'm going to do them anyway. <laughs> I've been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at your girl of the world. You can follow me on Twitter at Tina Fontina. And I also have two things to plug this week. My first plug is, Haley, you were talking about the Queen's Gambit. If anyone wants to play chess with friends with my husband, Sean, he's been trying to bully our friends into playing with him and no one's really interested. Um, I personally hate chess. But he really wants to play chess. Chess with friends is like an app, like words with friends. Hit me up. I'll connect you. (laughs) Hold up. I feel personally offended because Sean has not reached out to me and I enjoy chess. Okay. So I'll have him, I'll have him hit you up. Maybe I'll play him now. (laughs) All of our friends, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) My second plug is I mentioned earlier in this episode that I just beat the Shadow of War which is a Lord of the Rings game. It's a sequel to The Shadow of Mordor. They're both very dope games. They're kind of like Assassin's Creed type, just like fighting game. Like you're just constantly in melee no matter what you do. And I think it's a lot of fun. I really love video games and I I play them a lot, but I'm not particularly great at them. And so it's fun. It's a fun game that lets you kind of, let's just say that by the end you're super OP'd and it's a lot of fun. But it's a great adventure. If you want (laughs) to, if you want to kill some orcs, (laughs) <laughs> I want from every listener of this podcast 1,000 orc scalps. Okay. <laughs> is that in addition to the Nazi scalps or is that like, or can I do either? Uh, it is known that a lot of orcs are Nazis. I was like, do they have to be Nazi orcs? Do the, does that double count? Yeah, it double counts. If your okay. orc, if your orc is a Nazi, I'll count it in both categories. Okay. All right. <laughs> So that's the end of it. Taylor, thank you so much for coming on to chat with us. Thank, thank you. you for having me. I'll talk to you in like five minutes whenever you join the Discord, everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll be there. Yeah, we, Taylor is talking with us nerd shit all day long, so it's glad to finally talk about it in a more formal setting. If you could call this podcast formal, I don't think you could, but... <laughs> what are you talking about? We're all wearing suits and... I mean, you're drinking wine. That's pretty classy. Wow, I was drinking wine. Oh, yeah, I forgot for a split second there. I was like, maybe I'll plug Charles Shaw wine, which is the Trader Joe's brand $2.50 wine, which is, Somalia say it's the best wine under $3 in the country. Um, (laughs) There's my follow-up plug for me. (laughs) What does it show about us as a country that we have a category of best wine under $3? (laughs) That we party, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Haley, you might not know this about me, but Tina does. There was a solid period of time when I was in college that I would show up to parties with a one and a half liter bottle of wine. Of white Zinfandel wine. Now you show up with Fireball, which is like kind of the same vibe, if you ask me. (laughs) (laughs) They are trashy in very much the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, I want this to taste good, and I'm here to have a good time. No, it's. I feel like those those both fall under the category of like if you want to get specifically white girl basted, like white Zinfandel or Ooh. Fireball or both. Can confirm, Andrew loves to get white girl wasted. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say for those of you who know me well enough, you know that my my spirit animal when I'm partying is literally like a white girl in a too short of skirt in the middle of winter that is drunk beyond belief and is yelling at cab drivers. And like wearing hugs. I yeah. get that. Um, okay, well, great. That's the end of the episode. Any last words? Word. Okay, well, this episode, I'm going to end really confidently by saying, 
there is no room at the inn. Get out of my inn. There's a manger in the back where you and your pregnant wife can go if you need to, okay? But we're full. (laughs) Go sleep in the barn. Get the fuck out of my inn. The Restricted Section was created by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. Theme music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Be sure to like our Facebook page, The Restricted Section Podcast. Join our Facebook group, The Restricted Section Detention Crew. Follow us on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod and on Twitter at Restricted Pod. If you want to join our Discord server, shoot a message to one of our socials and I'll get you connected. You can also email us at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com with thoughts, feelings, complaints, or even lavish praise. Until next time, potheads. Um, quick note, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast before, but when I'm drinking wine while we record, I have a wine glass that says, after all this wine, always. I don't think I've ever mentioned that, and I just want everyone to know. I've seen this wine glass in real life. It's very important. It's in the Harry Potter font, but it's like the, it's the fake one. It's called like Harry Pee Pee or something. <laughs>